Hey, this is D Snyder. You're listening to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Hell yeah. Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Dr. Fuck and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, better known as Wadzilla. So enjoy another awesome, incredible episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bam, 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 diddly dee. We're back. It's time for the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, and with me is... Oh, yeah! The Ayatollah Alcoholic, Ian Wadley. What's up, Ralph? How you doing, dude? Ah, my back hurts. Wah, wah, wah. I know, right? Ah. So, what else is new? Do we have any iTunes reviews? I got, like, three iTunes reviews for Vieraval, but it's the wrong podcast. (laughs) Now, well, we do have one, as a matter of fact, and uh, you're going to love this one because it particularly lathers your ass. Oh, of course. I'm going to love it. <laughs> All right. This is a five-star review from Sean Aiken entitled, Two Lighters Held High for These Rockers. And Sean says, and I quote, as the name implies, this show is dedicated to spirited discussions of hard rock and heavy metal from many different eras. It sports two diverse co-hosts. Ralph Vieira brings decades of experience with enjoying music and concert going, as well as years playing in different bands. Get off my lawn! <laughs> While Ian Wadley brings his appreciation of domestic beer. <laughs> there you go. You do the heavy lifting, I drink beer. Yep. Together, or sometimes with special guests, they present weekly episodes wherein they're discuss- they discuss news from the world of hard rock and metal before breaking down a specific album track by track. In the process, they impart their own, special- their own personal experiences with regard to the album or its artist, along with a plenitude of sidetrack discussions which may or may not relate to the main topic. Above all, they keep the show filled to the brim with their own brand of humor the nature of which can best be described by the explicit tag, which they definitely earned many times over. Ass licking! Discussions can also veer off into the co-host's personal lives. Ass licking! Combine all these things, and it's more to say than say, if you are not careful, you just might learn something. That's right. Uh, The The, beauty of salad tossing. The Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Mom-tested Mom approved. Sean Aiken, thank you, buddy. All right, well, that's it for our uh, iTunes reviews. We don't get the super fancy reviews you get over at uh, Vieira Vault. You get multiples. We just get one. But we appreciate it. Keep them coming. Yeah. All righty. Well, uh, anything else you want to talk about before we get into the news this week? No. Oh, here's something that uh, this kind of pissed me off. With the, the multitude of uh, Vinnie Vincent interviews that have happened in this last week, the first of which, might I add, was Decibel Geek, Blabbermouth just picks up on talking metals, and they pick up on stuff that, like, it wasn't anything that was exclusive, you know, to the talking metal interview. But I, I was kind of like, oh, man, as hard as Decibel Geek worked all these years to get Vinnie Vincent, they have the first one up, uh... I was like, fuck, man, I wish that would have got on Blabbermouth. Did you listen to all of the different uh, Vinnie Vincent interviews, Ralph? Only Decibel Geek. Me too. 
That's the only one I listen to. Yeah, didn't care about talking metal. Didn't care about talking metal. Time. Oh, are you be, are you talking about talking behind our back podcast? Yeah, talking behind our back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they posted a story about that, you know, and, and again, it was nothing that wasn't revealed earlier in the week, I might add, by Decibel Geek. And I want to congratulate Chris and Aaron. Uh, I thought it was a great interview. And, uh, man, that, that's awesome. On the seventh anniversary, I couldn't think of two guys who uh, deserve that interview more than them. Of course. On the seventh anniversary, on the same week. Yeah. That's just killer. And fuck Blabbermouth. I fucking posted it on the Almost Human, which uh, got, like, one, I think it's up to 5,000 views now. It got 1,000 views in one day. It's, uh, you know, fuck Blabbermouth. This, you want your kiss shit, you come to Almost Human 56. The, the most kick-ass YouTube uh, page. By the way, there's a documentary now on YouTube about me, but I'll talk about that later, which features you, by the way. Oh, shit. Yeah, somebody made a documentary about me. And I'll talk about that later because what I was sent today was like a, a rough version of it. And it wow. was really good. Really, really well well made with a lot of juicy clips. Nice. Yeah, well, yeah. You richly deserve that. You are a YouTube pioneer. Yeah, actually, it talks about how my influences have been with the big-ass uh, reviewers on you know, I mean, uh, I'm watching this going, hey, wow, man, I really am a big deal. It wasn't just in my head. <laughs> well, congratulations, brother. It's news to me, and I can't wait to watch it. Oh, fuck you. Okay, uh, yeah, it's my, my, you know, my, my, my big head is swelling after I saw that, you peasant. <laughs> yeah, I'll make an appointment with your secretary next week to do a podcast. Mm, she looks ass. I like her already. <laughs> well, here's a band getting ready to uh, do an album, and this one really kind of perplexes me. Is Dio's Disciples is going to release a debut album. And my first thought is, of what? You know, are they going to, like, is it going to be re-recordings of, uh, you know, Dio classics? But no, it's going to be an original album. Uh... And I still kind of feel weird about this. Like, last in line, I kind of get because that was... They were the Dio band that wrote those songs and everything, and they're just writing more music. Uh, you know, and they didn't call it Dio anything. I mean, of course, last in line refers to the album and everything. But Dio's Disciples is recording an album of all-new material. But I, I don't know. Do you think they should come up with a with a create their own band name yeah i think they should be called dio scabs <laughs> well yeah I, I just kind of think wow that's really like leeching off its name if you ask me because he has nothing to do with it it's none of the music from them and you weren't like a band prior you know this isn't like just a different line of dio this is just like you know three guys who played with dio and three other guys doing non-dio music but calling it dio disciple why'd they call it led zeppelin I don't know. Yeah. I got exciting metal news, actually. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah. There's this girl in South Florida that I want to bang more than any girl on this planet. But the problem is she has a boyfriend. Well, they just broke up. And now I'm going to make my move. And I am in a metal band. So it's metal news. Oh, good. That helps fill a slow news week. Thank you. 
Is there any, any new stories that uh, you found interesting? Well, I, I really enjoyed the new Striper album. Uh, I still am a little partial to The Fallen, but boy, I mean, there are songs on that album that are just so good. And uh, I'm very, very psyched to go, oh yeah, there, there's some exciting news that you know about, I told you. Yeah. Uh, the Scorpions are playing down here on the 12th of September, and then they announced Judas Priest is playing the 12th of September up in Jacksonville. Now, the Scorpions down here is about a 40-minute drive. The Priest is an eight-hour drive. So I went with Priest. I'm going to Priest instead. So uh, I'm going up there on the 12th to see Judas Priest and Deep Purple. Then the next day, on my way back, I stopped by Orlando to see Striper plays the next day after that. Then I found out the day after Striper, uh, Scorpions is playing up in Tampa. So it's like, whoa. So I'm, I'm going to spend three days up in North Florida seeing three killer shows. And I'm very excited about that. Yeah. And a week from today, a week from tomorrow, I'm going to see Victor Wooten again and Flotsam and Jetsam and Hammerfall soon. Uh, maybe three weeks from now. And uh, exciting Thrash and I news for those that want to know. Uh, we have a warehouse. And it's not any regular warehouse. This is a warehouse I don't have to pay. And it's top of the line stuff because I know somebody, and I can't say his name, uh, is a multi-millionaire now. And he uh, stocked up the the warehouse with top of the line gear and studio and everything. So when I go see Flotsam up in Lake Worth, Florida, which is a good two hour drive for me, uh, I'm staying up there for the, for, you know, three days and uh, hard at work on the new Thrasher Die album. Finally. Right on. That's great news. Uh-huh. All righty. Well, here's another kind of weird band starting up did you see about les binks priesthood you know what's even more unique than that did you see the other band he formed it, it had check this out ripper kk downey uh joey vera and uh paul crook the guy that was in anthrax right they got a band too and it's called beyond the realms of death wow i am interested in that yeah, I, you know, I now that you mentioned it, I think I saw a link like a, a while ago about Les Binks, but I just saw this one today about the priesthood. Now, this band is focusing on his era, Judas Priest, which is, you know, stained class, you know, killing machine or hellbent from leather, depending on wherever you live. My favorite and, era. And uh, Unleashing the East. But I just found out in addition to that, they're also going to play stuff like uh, Living After Midnight, Breaking the Law, and you got another thing coming. That's not cool. I'm I, a, I, I, I really don't think that's cool. Uh, I, I thought it was kind of weird myself. Uh, I, I mean, kind of the whole situation is a little weird when you got one member, uh, you know, a former member, and it's a drummer. And then, uh, you, you know, I, of course, that, that that's one of the the best if not the best era of Judas Priest but you know you're kind of limited to two studio albums now granted you can play them both in their entirety and there's a show well you, you know, know Unleashed in the East covers Sad Wings so you can do some of that right right but you and know Sin I mean, After I, Sin 
Right. No, no, I understand that. But you know what I mean? It's he wasn't a part of those either, you know, writing or or performing. But then to add, you know, the other stuff that was from after he was in the band. But in a way, I do understand, because if you're doing like a Judas Priest show, uh, there's going to be people there that are going to expect to hear certain songs. So I kind of understand it in a way. I don't know if I agree with it, but maybe from a business standpoint, because I'm sure there'd be somebody there who has no idea. You know, they're, they're just priests, you know. Oh, they got to play Breaking the Law, you know. It's just so uh, odd that Les Binks just comes out of nowhere after decades of being, you know, in yeah, obscurity. Uh, and all of a sudden he's all over the place. And I'm like, wow, man. I mean, and I've always been yelling, where the fuck's Les Binks, you know? My favorite priest drummer, you know? Right. Do you know of any recording that he did after Judas Priest? Yes, and I can't remember the name of the band, but yes, he was in a band after Priest. But I okay. can't remember what they were called. I think it was okay. one of those new wave of British heavy metal bands, but I, I, it, it eludes me at the moment. Okay. And uh, yeah, I'm seeing now as I scroll through this article, they are talking about uh, you know the other band that he's doing. Uh, so it's interesting, but I mean, hey, it's 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 a great time. If you're gonna do it, because Priest is such in the limelight now, with a you know a new album that's doing great, a uh, new tour everybody's loving, uh, everybody who's seen it. Of course, there's all the fucking haters online, but anybody that has gone to this tour, I haven't seen one bad review of somebody who actually went to the show. You know what I mean? Every, everybody's been very positive. Yeah, I know, but you're always gonna get that. You know, no matter what, there's always gonna be like crybabies online, wah wah wah. You know, it's it's just goes with the territory. When something comes out and gets such positive, uh, a, a positive reaction, it pisses people off. These negative Nancys that see nothing but positive, positive, positive. Oh, let me throw my hat in a ring and make it non-positive. Right. You know, you know, oh yeah, firepower. Nah, fuck them. It's a it's a Rob Hopper tribute band. Uh, yeah, uh, how about the music? Uh, it's a Rob Hopper tribute band. No, but how about the music? Uh, it's a it's a Rob Hopper tribute band. Fuck right. you. But you know, even in some of the biggest bands, when they tour, uh, you'll still get some people who like, oh, you know, say people who saw a recent Van Halen. Oh, David Lee Roth ruined it for me. Or people, you know, like myself, go see a Kiss show, and uh, you know, Paul Stanley ruined it for me. But I have not read one bad review. From anybody who's went, be it on on Blabbermouth or people we know on Facebook, uh, and, and that's a testament. Like people actually go. I haven't seen one person who was disappointed or said, "Oh, they mailed it in," or you know, sounded like shit. Everything's been been great acclaim for that. So uh, that says something in this day and age of haters. And I've been seeing a lot of these venues uh, like Judas Priest sold out. So fuck everybody. Stay home and you know, and keep with your tampons in your ass. Because they're doing great out there. Their album is uh, very well received. And uh, y'all don't matter. <laughs> yeah. oh. All right. Well, one band who hasn't toured uh, and probably now never will is the collaboration between Michael Sweet and George Lynch. Yeah, I saw that. And I'm kind of like, you know, he makes sense. It's like, dude, I'm not going to run in and waste my time doing an album if I can't tour. You know, and George Lynch ain't promoting it. And he's right. I saw the, the article and I was like, yeah, dude, it's every time, like the, both times they released it, uh, it's only Michael Sweet. And any time that George Lynch does promote it, 
he's actually with Michael Sweet. He doesn't do it on his own. So Michael, right. you know, he's kind of like, dude, what, why am I doing this? And man, that last album, and I'm not alone. You know, a lot of people said, man, that album is just not good. That last Lynch album, and it's disappointing because the first one was so good. I was looking right. forward to this one, and it was like, and I gave it several chances. I'm like, man, this is piss poor. And I think that's another reason. It's like, dude, I think that well, you, you, you suck the well dry with the first album, which I highly recommend. All right, well, you know, another thing, and I can kind of understand this, is, you know, why waste your time writing all these songs if, if nothing's ever, you know, you know, you're not going to play them live. I think that would be a disappointment. If I wrote something like this, especially how the first one was real good, I never heard the second one. But I, I had, even I had to admit it, I'm not a big Michael Sweet fan. I really liked the first one. But that's a lot of kind of work to put in if you're never going to do anything with it. Yeah, yeah. Plus, you know, the first one got a good feedback. That, that's why they did a second one. Then the second one didn't get a good feedback. And he's kind of like, I think that had a lot to do with it, too. Don't, you know, read between the lines. It's not just because they ain't going out to tour. Uh, it just wasn't well received. And he's like, fuck that. I'm not going to run in and do another one where George is like, you know, he's in too many projects. And uh, yeah. And I don't think George is touring for any other other projects either, except for like Lynch Mob and Dockin', you know? Yeah, well, of course, you know, the Dockin' was pretty much, you know, a couple dates and that, and that's it. Now, Lynch Mob, you know, he mainly tours with. But, I, you know, I get it's probably all about money. You know, he probably gets the money up front to make these records. He takes that money. He's going to tour with Lynch Mob because, of course, he's going to get the majority of the money. And now he has this new project with everybody from Dokken, except Dokken and Robert Mason singing. And they're about ready to put an album out. Now, I don't know if that's going to tour or not. So, because uh, Robert Mason's still in Warren and Warren's getting ready to go out on a tour. So that'll probably never see. You know, and, and of course, too, Pilsen's in it. Pilsen's in Foreigner, so it'll be another thing that'll come to nothing. Yep. And how about this cheap trick thing with Rick Nielsen? You've heard about this, huh? I have no idea what you're talking about. Rick Nielsen is not touring with Cheap Trick now. Whoa, no, what? No. He is suffering, and and it's... Dude, to me, it sounds a little sketchy. Uh, uh, Ammonia? But it's been months, and it's like, wait a second. Is this supposed to last this long? There's actually two guitar players filling in for him, his son and one of the roadies. And that Poison Cheap Trick tour is without Rick Nielsen. Oh, man. I, I can't believe I didn't hear this. Yeah, yeah. It's, this has been going on for like uh, about two months now. Oh, fuck. How did I miss this story? Holy well, listen to the Vierval. You'll know all about it. Man. Oh, that guy, he's, so, he's too full of himself. Yeah, uh, that's weird. Great reason to listen because he's so awesome. <laughs> uh, he's got a documentary about him, you know. Yeah, uh, that I watch. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I couldn't. I can't imagine with you know a cheap trick show without him. And I didn't know he's got another son. He's got one son playing drums. He got another son playing guitar. I believe he I'm has gonna... several. He has several kids. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of. And and then I just I did see a cheap trick. Uh, headline where they were getting ready to record another album again yeah and you know that's going to be with rick nielsen but, right uh, yeah but yeah at the moment they're touring without him which is a shame you know because he basically is the front man for cheap trick you know he does all the talking you know right um, right 
Yeah. Oh, and wow. he's, a, you know, a huge focal point of the live show, too, is him. You know, he's like the Angus of that band. He's the wild man on stage. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, quite, quite devastating, you know. Uh, wow. So I hope he gets better soon, you know. Big, uh, everybody, let's hope for, uh, for him to get all better. But to me, it's sounding a little like, wait a second, you know. He had pneumonia like two months ago and it's still going on. Does it last that long, really? Well, it, I, 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 don't mean, I don't know. I mean, I just know, you know, when you get pneumonia at that age, that shit can kill you. Yeah, that's you what know? I mean. That's why, you know, he's right. uh, not touring. He's laying low, you know. And, and they are a band that tours all the fucking time. Constantly. So, wow. But, wow. And that's an amazing segue into the next story. Which is who's playing drums on the new Queens record? And uh, it doesn't sound like it's rock and feel because this guy Tyler Tolatori's like, oh, I can't really say. If it was got rock and feel, he could say. Right. I'm wondering if it's Tyler Tolatori because he's a drummer himself. I don't know. I, hey, man, I saw that that guy fill in for dude. That guy was awesome. Really? Oh man, he was great. He did. Rock and field as good as rock and field. He he pounded the fuck out of those drums, and he had a smaller kit too. And uh, he did a damn fine job. Uh, listen to that bootleg I sent you. Uh, yeah. You can hear how good he's a, he's a amazing oh, that, that, drummer. That, that's him on that one. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I think Scott may be out. I don't know. I could be wrong, but you know, it seems a little like I think he's had enough. Yeah, that's important because I just hate seeing them lose another original member because they worked so hard to bring back the Queensryche name after, you know, what fucking Jeff Tate did. And I think they've done, you know, they put out two good albums that are more representative of what people, what most fans want out of Queensryche. So it would suck to see him lose another another key member. Oh, yeah. No, and he's an amazing key member. You know, one of the yeah. best drummers out there, but... Believe me, that guy did good. I was like, I was very impressed. I was like, wow, that guy they got filling in, you know, at the time, just filling in. They should keep him if Scott leaves. Right. Well, and another thing is maybe do a situation where, you know, because they say he took time off for his uh, newborn son. Uh, but maybe a situation where he doesn't necessarily tour, but, you know, it'd be nice to see him involved in, in recording and writing. Uh, you know, even if he's just grown weary of the road. You know, that shit he can do from his house, you know? Right. Paul Stanley declined to comment on Gene Simmons' Fox News band. He says, we're not tied at the hip. I don't have to talk about Gene. Leave him to his own devices. Man, could this guy get any fucking bitter and whiny? I, I, I When I read that, it's like, yeah, you know, he, he has to suffer his consequences and stuff like that. It's like, God, he's so... You know, Gene's always in the news. He's hardly in the news, and it's—I'm I'm sure it's irking him. You know? And plus, you know, it doesn't help that Gene's bringing in Peter Chris and Ace Fraley and Vinnie Vincent to his vaults. That it's especially Vinnie Vincent must really burn him, or Peter Chris too. It must burn him that he's like befriending these people, you know. And I don't know if you saw the Gene Simmons with uh, Vinnie Vincent in Nashville. Uh, he actually called. You know, he didn't directly call Gene Simmons a, I mean, Paul Stanley a bitch. But he said, oh, yeah, I forgot what, what the scenario was. But he goes, yeah, we're writing a song. I'm going to listen, bitch, do it this way. Something like that. And I'm like, oh, boy, if Paul sees that clip, 
Right, which can be something that he doesn't, you know, sometimes shit's just a figure of speech, you know. You're not really calling somebody a bitch. Not you know? to Paul, but, though. And, right. and, 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 man, this may, this is an older clip. I saw this. I, it's an audio clip. I think it was Chris Jericho interviewing Paul, asking him, what do you think of these people that are against Kiss today? And, man, dude, it's like I, Chris Jericho's the biggest bitch, you know, the biggest Paul Stanley bitch because he – he wouldn't call him out on this because he's like, well, you know, like, we just finished a tour where we played to, like, 60,000 fans in three months. And then Chris Jericho goes, yeah, I know that Def Leppard Kiss tour. Yeah, let's see you play to 65,000 in a few months without Def Leppard, Paul. You know, it's like, and he's like, eh, and, you know, and for the people that are against it, hey, thanks for being there while you're there, but you really don't matter. It's like, all right, yeah, okay. All right, fine. And and he keeps coming out again, again and again, saying, you know, Kiss will go on without me. Yeah, well, why hasn't it yet? Your voice is gone. It should have happened already. But no, again, justifying the scabs in the band. He's making pretend that they're going to do shit without him. A guy on the Almost Human Facebook page made an interesting point. Because I said, there's no way Paul would allow it. And then this guy said, yeah, but what if Paul gets his son to do it? I go, if he gets his son to do it, he'll allow it. That, because, you know, his ego's so huge. Oh, it's my bloodline. But does his son really want to do it? Think about it, you know? Yeah. You know, I've thought about it. And I don't know. I don't think it would work on the level that it's working now. No, I you know. No, it's definitely downgrade. Yeah. But, but and, and hear me out here. There's still people going now that have no idea fucking that's not Peter Chris and that's not Ace Frehley. The people still going now are either just totally blind sheep fans or just people like, hey, I've never seen that makeup band. Let me go see them. Uh, you know, and hell, if somebody could get out there and, and, and sing this shit properly. You this know? is my take on it. Look, a majority of the people that still see Kiss today, majority are, are people that overlook Paul Stanley's voice that don't give a fuck that he sounds like shit, but they will give a fuck if Paul Stanley ain't there because they're the ultimate sheep. You know, they're the ultimate sheep for Paul Stanley. Uh, these are the people that still go and they take their kids and this and that. Believe me, man, no matter how much I hear people say, no, the new lineup is great and this and that. You, look, I saw it, man. I saw it myself. I could I could be like a, you know, all oh, clueless guy like these priest haters today saying, oh, this and that. No, but I went and saw it. And I left that place saying, I am never, ever going to see Kiss again. Unless they bring Ace Fraley back. If they bring Ace Fraley back, I'll go for that. And I'll, and I'll even sit through Paul Crokin, because Ace is my favorite member. And I'd like to see it one last time. Ace Fraley and Eric Singer, that'd be great, you know. But the Paul Stanley man, it's like, dude, he is so fried. And he goes against everything he's talked about on the farewell tour press junket where it's like, oh, well, like, we're going to leave now, you know, while we still can do it because I don't want to be, like, late to the party this night. Dude, and it is so bad. His voice is so bad. And then, like, that's another thing. Somebody asked him about his voice. And he goes, well, you know, like, uh, there's enough, when you reach this age, of course you're not going to be like you were in your 20s. It's like, yeah, but, you know, uh, didn't you want to go out on top? You know, now you're making excuses for your voice? Get the fuck out of here. 
And yes, uh, I, I brought this up on the Almost Human Facebook page, and there was a mass exodus of people that left the Facebook page because of me really? bad-mouthing Paul. Oh, yeah. And people like, wow. you know, my favorite is people that like bash me and they fucking block. They don't leave the group. They, they literally block me. <laughs> they literally block me and leave. And I'm like, what a bitch. You don't even let me reply. What are you, Andrew Jacobs? <laughs> Come to my window. Uh, let, let me ask you this. What do you think, you know, out of the, the, the remaining sheep fans uh, that still go like every time they come around, what do you think would be a bigger blow uh, to this current incarnation? Do you think if, if Gene left or Paul left, what do you think would, would turn more people away? Paul, hands down. because Really? Oh, hands down because Gene, look, Gene is doing his solo shit, rave reviews, people are loving it. I think people would rather see that than Kiss with Gene and Kiss. Because, oh, I would. Yeah, I, I would too. Plus, you get a better set list. Not the same shit over and over and over again. Which is another excuse, Paul, but well, most people, they know, only know the good songs. Or the diehards, we can't just play to them. It's like, yeah, well, you know, you should take, the, you should take a page out of Cheap Trick. And even fucking, I hate to say it because I'm not a fan, but Pearl Jam does that shit. They don't go up there and play hits. They play deep tracks, you know? And they sell out everywhere. I'm telling you, dude, if Kiss was to throw out, like, you know, shit they do on the Kiss Cruise, like Odyssey, and, not Odyssey, um, uh, The Oath, and, uh, you know, Almost Human and shit like that. I'm telling you, man, a lot of people will go in droves. There's a lot of people. The reason why there's such, um, you know, less attendance at Kiss shows is because who the fuck wants to go see Kiss for two reasons? One, Paul's voice, and two, you already seen that set list how many fucking times? Oh, look, they threw in Hide Your Heart. So, you know, it's throw in like some real deep shit from the 70s. And people will, even if it's Paul singing it, the people will go. You know, it's like, oh, look, they're going to play, uh, you know, uh, Magic Touch and Million to One and, you know, and fucking... Uh, whatever, you know. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. Could you imagine him doing Magic Touch now? Uh, yeah. oh. Magic Touch? Forget that. How about Million of One? Woo! <laughs> oh, Lord. So, yeah, 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 Paul Stanley is the biggest... Ha he has to be the biggest bitch of any band now. He's taking the mantle from who? Uh, well, Axl Rose uh, doesn't even talk. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. We got a story coming up. I, I think gives him... Uh, Gives them a go round for round, right. pitch for pitch. Well, I like to hear that story. And that's bitter old JJ French's mustard. Uh, man, he's really got it out for Judas Priest and Foreigner and the Rolling Stones. And man, this guy. Uh, you know, I don't remember interviews with him during their heyday. Did he do much interviews or was it always D? Uh, I'm not sure. It was always D as far as I remember, yes. Right. But this guy, man, ever since uh, Twisted Sister got back together, I don't think I've ever seen an uh, interview, uh, you know, be it in print or on TV, where this guy just didn't come off as, like, the biggest bitter prick ever. And and now just you know trashing the stones and the fucking you know and 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 foreigner and priest and uh, 
I, I just don't get it. And this guy's got some big cojones uh, for a band. As much as we love uh, Twisted Sister, you know, he's talking about bands that, you know, are in a whole different fucking planet than his. And this guy doesn't write jack shit. And when Twisted Sister was down, he never did anything. You know, and, and you always see the same thing about uh, ragging on Kiss, you know, and of course he auditioned for Kiss and didn't make it. Uh, you know, I just, I've never seen anything but bitterness out of this guy and saying how all these cover bands are, are, are better than, uh, you know, cover bands back in the day were better than the real thing and, you know, shitting on fucking Led Zeppelin, saying Led Zeppelin was horrible after fucking 75 and just like, I, I, I don't... What do you think it is with this guy? Uh, you know, he's your typical New Yorker, you know, with the New York attitude. He's always been kind of, uh, you know, mouthy. You know, if you look at the early footage of uh, Twisted Sister in Clubs, it wasn't just D talking. You know, he oh, grabbed yeah. the mic just as much as D, and he always had, like, a, you know, that scumbag attitude. And, you know, um, but, you know, look, I, I'll tell you this. Look, I, I'd hate to be a hypocrite about this. Because I won't. And, 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 you know, I am an SMF, and it's hard for me to, you know, to bash JJ. But, you know, I mean, I don't agree with him at the same time, but I feel very hypocritical being upset with what he said about Priest when he said the same thing about Kiss several years ago on, on that metal show. And I was like, yeah! But, you know, it's kind of like Priest is doing the same thing now. And, uh, and that upset me. So I feel like a total hypocrite. Uh, one thing I could say about J.J. French is, like, I'm always going to love him. I'm always going to love his sister. And uh, he is probably the one rock star, other than David Lee Roth, too, that I am very afraid to meet because I have a feeling meeting them will ruin it for me. You know, because I've heard, story, you know, I've heard my buddy met David Lee Roth, and David Lee Roth said, I don't take pictures. I only take pictures with girls. And I was like, man, if he ever said that to me, that would kill me, you know? And, uh... The same thing, you know, J.J. just seems like an asshole. And he seems like a prick to me, so... You well, know, I, I know he was doing that, you know, that whatever, that convention shit in Orlando. See, in a situation like that, I would need him. Because you're actually paying the guy, so of course he's going to be nice to you. But, not always. <laughs> well, that would, Peter Chris. Th then I'd want my money back, you know? Right. Well, another thing, you know, he throws Saxon into the mix. Saxon's 80 fucking years old. First of all, they're not. And second, I just saw Saxon, you know, what, a year and a half, two years ago, and they blew me fucking away. I mean, they were aw and they're doing great right now, you know? I mean, I don't know. They're just, you know, it's, it's, he. I want to see a fucking interview where he's talking about the trials and tribulations of writing a fucking song, something he's never done. Yeah, well, no, he know? has done. Have you heard those early Twisted songs? Oh, boy. <laughs> Woo! Right. But fuck, even even Eddie Fingers OJ has put out two solo albums. Yeah. You know, it's like this guy just gave up music. I guess because if you ain't got D. Snyder there to write it for you, you know. And then he started managing uh, what was that uh, Seven Dust. And you know, unfortunately for him, the minute they made it, they, you know, they they kicked him to the curb. He seems very intelligent too, JJ French. He doesn't seem like some idiot. You know, he's very well thought out. He's like a businessman. So yeah, he's probably like. The fuck am I gonna do reason out? I'm gonna lose money, you know. Yeah. More of a realist, you know. Yeah. Well, 
there you go. Now it's time to bring in uh, the great Aaron Baker, who was nice enough to donate to the Rockin' Pot Expo, too. And we are really getting into, uh, we're full steam ahead into the fan episodes. And we appreciate everybody who's chipped in so far. And, uh, hey, if you haven't heard the album yet, you want reviewed. There's still time to get in. So please donate. And without further ado, let's talk about some SMFs. All right, now we're going to talk about the 1984 album, Stay Hungry from Twisted Sister. 84, right, Ian? Correct, sir. Oh, shit, I got that one right. That's a good sign. And, Ian, I understand we have somebody with us. Yes, a very special guest today, Mr. Aaron Baker is with us. Hell, yeah, (laughs) candlestick maker. (laughs) Uh, what's up, guys? What's up, uh, Rock and Metal Combat Podcast? Um, it's great to be here. Um, of course it is. Um, if you guys don't mind, can I tell you how I found the podcast and all you that sure can. bullshit? Get that out of the way. Um, so, I am a longtime listener of the Decibel Geek Podcast, and they had an episode called Rock and Roll, Rock and Roll Rolodex. And I don't, I can't remember which one they called. And I was they like, Jesus. <laughs> I was like, Jesus, that dude is one funny motherfucker. So I, ha- I found the show, and I, my first ever episode was uh, Queensrÿche Rage for Order. And I liked the review so much, and I was, and we had a couple uh, local music shops in uh, the Mesa area in Arizona. So I rode my bike down there. Of course, it's almost a hundred degree heat kind of was a dumb idea at the time and i went to um the, the music shop and i was looking and i was like well i just found the cd version of rage for order picked that up and then i was looking and then i found um motley Crue's theater of pain and that just kind of snowballed the whole cd collection because when i was in arizona i probably multiplied in cds that's awesome. Hear, hear that, Ian? Finally, somebody discovered us through you. Congrats, I know. Congrats, Ian. <laughs> so, Aaron, uh, tell us uh, the first time you heard this uh, Twisted Sister album, Stay Hungry. I heard um, I Want to Rock, which is, that was the first song I had ever heard on the, on um, off of this record. And it was on a video game. 2002's Grand Theft Auto Vice City and they had it on there and this is like this is where I got most of the bands that I listen to now was from Grand Theft Auto and just people giving me recommendations like hey listen to this listen to that which is why I like this podcast because you guys have introduced me to Lizzie Borden uh, Armored Saint I think there's a few others can't remember here the cure uh, no i have never listened to the cure far canal <laughs> Good. oh yeah far canal or jody jody what jody speed or whatever jody grind that's jody right grind yeah yeah park anal or whatever the fuck it's <laughs> so yeah that was and i and i love the majority of this album except for maybe one song and oh. i'm getting to that get there um, but I just enjoy this album, and can we agree all agree on how good D. Snyder is vocally? Because if you think about it, name a 
Name a song that you don't hear on the radio very often from Twisted Sister, and you'll know that it's a Twisted Sister song just by his vocals. Twisted, uh, Dee Snyder's got an extremely powerful, clean, great voice. And uh, we, we discussed this the, uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, Ian, uh, I, I put him way higher as a frontman. Ian, Ian likes him as a frontman, but nowhere to the degree I do. Because I put him up on my top three. You know, mm-hmm. I think uh, seeing him live to me, it's like that guy is like pure energy and very original. And what I love so much about him, and he's very inspirational to me, is that he's very spontaneous. He's not mm-hmm. your Paul Stanley, you know, uh, or David Lee Roth, same fucking oh, thing Jesus. every fucking show. Where Dee Snyder, he just goes off the vibe. And right. I love the hell out of that guy. And he's hilarious. He's fucking funny as fuck. And I love that in a front man. And, uh, He's fucking awesome. And I look forward to him. His uh, next album is going to be metal. Ralph, why don't you talk about the first time you heard Stay Hungry? Well, I was very well versed in Twisted Sister at that point. Uh, no, I didn't discover him under Under the Blade. I discovered him on this little tiny uh, MTV uh, commercial for MTV. Uh, where they showed a little tiny clip of You Can't Stop Rock and Roll. And I was like, who the fuck is that? Because in that commercial, they weren't wearing makeup. They didn't get that far into the video. It was just them, you know, looking like scumbags in front of a van. And I was like, wow, that shit rocks. And they look cool as fuck. Because they, Twisted Sister looked cool as fuck in denim and a dirty vest. And, you know, uh, without the makeup. I, I always thought they, they could have made it without the makeup. Uh, I think makeup was part of their downfall, too. If they just looked like the scumbags they look like. I think they would have been way more respected because I actually have like you know the elitist death. I know I know there's one elitist death metal dude that adores Twisted Sister because that was one of the bands he first got into and he heard Under the Blade, which is you know Under the Blade is like you know like a like a Motorhead type album. You know it's very cutthroat and so was uh, You Can't Stop Rock and Roll. Stay Hungry. They went a little more commercial, but I, man, I'm not gonna fucking complain because I love this album. But you can't stop rock and roll is what got me into them. And then, uh, yes, then um, I don't remember, but I know I, I must have ran out and bought it because stay. Uh, you can't stop rock and roll was my one of my favorite albums of that year. That still to this day is my favorite to sister album. You know, and I went back and I got the secret version, which I still own. Uh, the secret version of Under the Blade and the Atlantic version, which by the way, I will actually put the Atlantic version over the secret version. I think. Mark yeah. Mendoza reproduced it. It sounds better. And I don't remember, but, uh, you know, the first time I ever bought Stay Hungry, but but I remember fucking blasting the fuck out of it. And when we get to one song, I'll let you know the effect that album had on the whole metal community down here at one point when it really blew up. Um, and I'll say that when we get into one of the songs because uh, one of my vivid memories of uh, those years was experienced something at a concert that Twisted Sister didn't even play at but it was very Twisted Sister themed uh, they were huge they were huge they were for the people you know kind of like how Pantera was that's how Twisted Sister was but you know then you know they became a little too cartoony the little kids came in and they ruined the whole you know uh, uh, what, what's the word like you know authenticity of uh, Twisted Sister they became kind of a joke you know, because of the, you know, the Bugs Bunny, Roadrunner type cartoons. 
And, uh, but, you know, underneath all that shit, dude, was a hard, rocking, hard working, kick ass fucking rock band. I mean, back then it was metal, but yeah, now in retrospect, it's a good, hard rocking band. And, uh, all I could say, I can't remember the first time I discovered this album, but I can tell you the, the impact that it had uh, at the time with us metalheads, us teenage metalheads. It was, it was a soundtrack of 84. It was one of those albums that you heard everywhere. And then, you know, then when it got a little too silly, everybody like jumped ship except for me. You know, I was a first day buyer of Come Out and Play, even after I saw Leader of the Pack. <laughs> Because, you see, the thing is, Leader of the Pack was, you know, I already owned Rough Cut. Leader of the Pack was a, a song they used to play in the clubs back in the day that got a really good response. So they figured, okay, now let's do it, because we already know it's a surefire hit. Our hardcores loved it back in the day, so let's, you know, release it. But little did they know, you know, it's like, nah, it worked back then. It ain't going to work now. And I, you know, I was horrified when I heard Come Out and Play. I mean... There's like four great tracks on there and the rest is just terrible. So that's what killed them, you know, for me. But uh, yeah, I, I, I can't really expand much more. Uh, I can expand much more on Stay Hungry as we go into the songs and how it was at that time. So Ian, tell us how you discovered it. All right, well, when I first heard Stay Hungry was probably a couple months before we got MTV in my hometown. Uh, but we still had music video channels. Uh, and they were like the local, you know, the shit you'd have to turn your TV to UHF for all you old motherfuckers. Uh, it was a local channel, had a local video show. And I saw, we're not going to take it. I was like, wow. And I wasn't even into metal at this point. I mean, I did have, uh, you know, uh, what did I have? I had uh, Metal Health by Quiet Riot. I had Pyromania. You know, but I was mostly listening to pop music at the time because this this album came out a day before I turned ten. Uh, but the minute I saw the video, man, I fucking loved it, and I thought it was great, and, uh, and and it was such catchy rock that to me it wasn't even metal because at that age I was still scared of metal. You know, like oh god, that's what the creepy kids who smoke listen to. You know, that was what you know the rough kids listen to. But I fucking love this shit. And man, the summer of 84, this was all over the place. And that summer would be the summer that we got MTV. And you would see this video all the fucking time. And that was a video. Uh, I mean, or, I mean, that summer I was hanging out the YMCA. That was a big thing. Uh, you know, because you're on summer break. You're going to the Y to swim and do all this shit and have fun. And oh, no. oh, yes. And all the kids had boom boxes and we're playing fucking Twisted Sister. I mean, it was it was the thing to do. It was, was it this, was was this in 1984? Yeah. See that see that even branched out from us older kids to the little kids cranking cuz I'm telling you everybody was playing Stay Hungry in 84. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, every, every everybody. This was like, you know, you didn't have to be a metal kid or anything like that. This was just this was the music at the time. Everybody loved this. It didn't matter what kind of music you were into. But, I mean, it definitely helped that it was on all the video channels. It was on MTV. Uh, you know, you know, it wasn't... You weren't looked at as weird if you were listening to this. Uh, like, like, if you listened to Iron Maiden, you were a metal guy, you know, in 84. 
you know, but this was just popular music the same way that Quiet Riot was, the same way that that uh, Death Leopard was. Uh, but man, I, I, I love this right out the get-go. And oh, look at them. They're dressed up like girls. That was funny. You know, the videos were awesome. I already knew Animal House. So I got all like, you know, I knew, hey, that's Niedermeyer, you know. Uh, it was it was a perfect storm. I mean, it was like the right song at the right time with the right video. And, you know, you could never release shit like this in the 90s. Like something like I Want to Rock, you know. That never would have worked in the fucking boo-hoo, woe-is-me 90s. But in the fucking 80s, it was the perfect shit at the perfect time. And, and I loved it. But I gotta say, I... I've only seen two backlashes as worse as, or well, I say one other backlash as worse as Twisted Sister was Culture Club, and I, I remember like just a year before Culture Club, everybody, you know, in like third grade or fourth grade, whatever grade I was in at the time. Oh, Culture Club was great because we didn't know what gay was. We had no idea. We knew he looked weird, but we didn't know what gay was or anything like that. And then you get a, you know, a year older and you find out what gay is. Everybody turned their back on Culture Club. Well, that's what it was like with Twisted Sister. Everybody loved Twisted Sister for Stay Hungry. And then by the time Come Out and Play came, it, it's like, you know, nobody wanted to be known as a Twisted Sister fan because, oh, that was kiddie shit, you know. That was, even though, like, ooh, we're 11 now. We can't listen to that kiddie shit, you know, but... Man, what a big backlash there was on that album. And, you know, I lived through that. I was there. It was huge. They went from being the coolest band to being the most uncool band, much like Culture Club. Uh, but I think this album stands up phenomenally. Uh, spoiler alert, I love every song on this album. I'll take this album over fucking Shout at the Devil. I, I mean, because... I think there's no bad song on this uh, fucking album. Even though I don't agree, I totally understand where you're coming from. I can see I can see people like this more than Shadow Devil because it is a great album. Oh yeah, and 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 uh, but I, but I, it's also it, as much as it's like uh, I can see fans of pop music loving this because there's a lot of catchy shit. To really get in this album, you have to love metal too, because there is some very metal stuff on this album. Oh yeah, and uh, you know I, I'm so weird with Twisted Sister because there's stuff that I think is so great about them, and there's shit that I fucking hate about them at the same time. But this album is 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 a storm in a teacup, man. This is the perfect fucking storm. The right album at the right time, and uh, but what's great about this is it holds up, in my opinion, years later. Where there's other shit from that era that you know made might have been flavor of the month. I think this holds up incredibly well, man. I, I love this fucking album, and Aaron, when you picked this, I was so fucking happy. And even though I didn't have to take notes. I still listened to it before we did it, and I love this album just as much, if not more, than I did when I was 10 years old. I mean, I, th I think it's incredible. All right. Uh, Aaron, why don't you take the first track, the, st the title track, Stay Hungry. All right. So, first track, self-titled, Stay Hungry. 
So, you guys probably know I'm a huge fan of, of Chris Jericho, Chris Jericho's band Fozzy. They covered this song on their first ever like debut album. I liked that version when I was about like maybe uh, 15, 16. Now that I hear it, I can't, I can't stand it. So, and of course, I like the original like a lot better. Um, to me, this is a classic example of a kick-ass album opener. Uh, um, I mean, I don't know what else to say about it because we've already hit on you know D. Snyder's um, vocals. Um, like my favorite part is uh, "Expect No Sympathy." There's none to be had, and I just used that throughout my entire like high school. You know, um, from freshman to senior year, I was like, "Fuck it, I'm not expecting sympathy from a nobody, and they shouldn't expect it from me." Because I heard, I heard this song uh, my freshman year of high school. Because I was starting to, you know, I was starting to dig deep and sink my claws into heavy metal. So I was listening to like Kiss, um, Van Halen, Dokken. Um, Quiet Riot, all the all those bands, and I have kids that are listening to rap, country, um, new metal like Avenged Sevenfold. Um, you know what I mean, like Godsmack, Disturbed, all that stuff. They would look at me. I was kind of like the outcast. I was always just sitting there, just tapping my foot, just listening to whatever I possibly could to you know keep my keep my day moving so i really like this song stay hungry it's just killer it, there's like no filler in the song at all all right how about you ian i fucking love this song i think it's one of the greatest album openers of all time uh oh it it is a perfect fucking metal track and it's it's very anthemic and positive and just and, I mean, killer. And this is something I got, you know, I first heard this. I wasn't a metalhead yet, but I got this. And I was like, oh, yeah, I like that. I, I feel it. And I, I think I feel it even more now than I did when I was 10 years old. I mean, every time I listen to this, I was like, yes, this, this is, to me is what this band was all about. Oh, my God. It's, just, it's a perfect track, man. It's a perfect fucking track. What do you think, Ref? Yeah, D. Snyder said he wrote this song uh, by uh, inspired from the movie uh, "Stay Hungry" with Arnold Schwarzenegger, and uh, yeah, it's a great fast track with lyrics that directed me back in the day to fight against what other deemed as right. And I'm with Aaron 100%. The best fucking line on here is "Expect no sympathy because there's none to be had." You know, something that so many on social media need to fucking uh in their fucking you. brain with their oh Thank poor you. me oh Thank fuck you, you with your poor me <laughs> never show your weak even if you are weak get over that shit in diversity figure out how to beat how to beat it stay fucking hungry and never quit we need everyone that is tired and overrated Show them fucksticks to the door. There's no time for slacking. Kick some ass 
all the way to the top, all the way to the finish line. That's what I get out of this song. That's why I worship Dee Snyder so much. You listen to our uh, our episode, uh, You Can't Stop Rock and Roll, how I went off on I Am On Me. This is the same kind of fucking message. It's like, dude, we're human. We're not perfect, but we can strive to achieve what we want. And at this time, during Stay Hungry, uh, you know, I had my long hair, as I still do to this day. And it was looked down upon. I couldn't get a decent job. I, you know, I was getting shit from the parents, getting shit from the family members. And I just stuck to my guns because that's what this song told me to do. That's what I Am On Me told me to do. And there's a song on here that we got to get to that is even more, more important to me than mm-hmm. I Am On Me and Stay Hungry combined when it comes to how to live my life. Stay and musically, yes, it fucking kicks ass. Great song, the great, and I'm telling you, man, this goes for every band in the universe. Your band will suck if you don't have a good drummer. And boy, does AJ Perro deliver! Oh, love it. What oh, he does on definitely. the drums on this album, especially this one song coming up, those little fills makes this song so great, and it's one of my my second favorite song on the album. But goddamn, do I love Stay Hungry. It's awesome. I'll take the next one. Uh, we're not going to take it. You know, I'll be honest with you. I never really was a big fan of this one musically. It was a little too happy. But the message is great. Like Stay Hungry. You know, authority these nuts, motherfucker. You know, the vocal melody is awesome. I love the way he sings it. You know, and it does have that mass appeal, um, you know, vibe to the way he sings it. And, you know, you have the little simple solo. You know, it's like, it's a no-brainer. You know, it's kind of like, you know, let's just do a solo to the to the chorus uh, melody. Uh, I'm not going to say it sucks, you know, and, and I'm not going to be one of these, well, it's the hit, so it's my least favorite, you know, but it is. I mean, I can't, I don't know if I, maybe it is my least favorite, but... I, I like it, but here's something that, yeah, I've already had this discussion with, with um, Ian before, and I know he drastically disagrees with me on this, but I fucking love, I mean, love the piano version to this song. Oh, Because it, it, it's more angrier. D is pissed the way he sings it. It's not happy. It's dark with this lyrics belted out by D, where it's the complete opposite. You know, it's like where this version's all happy, now the condescending. Where in the, in the piano version, he's just yelling his ass off. You know, it's about cancer. You know, like fighting cancer. It's a whole does a whole different spin. You know, it's you know it becomes like a dark song, and uh, I actually love it. You know, it's like. A piss vengeful, uh, vengeful delivery that suits the song way better for me, uh, as far as lyric-wise goes. Uh, and yeah, I was, I, I got chills, you know, watching that video of D in the in the desert with a dude playing piano and all these girls getting their hair shaved. It, it's such a great message, and I was like, wow, you know, he took his biggest hit and he did something different with it, and it's still, it's still. Uh, it's a different message with the same fucking lyrics, but for me personally, it's more effective. I felt very um, moved, extremely moved. And, and I didn't look at it as, oh, let's fight authority. It was more like, let's fight, you know, a terminal disease. 
And I love that V did that. You know, it's, it was just so well done, so well crafted, so well sung. Um, but, you know, I'm not, you know, that's not about that song. We're talking about this version. And it's a happy little ditty. And the greatest thing about We're Not Gonna Take It for me personally is that it did take Twist Sister to the stratosphere where they deserve to be with all the hard work they did. So whatever negative shit I have to say about We're Not Gonna Take It, uh, the positive outweigh it as far as it, be- it gave them, you know, that platform. And uh, absolutely love where, uh, what uh, this song represents and what it did for the band. So, Ian, you take it. You take the. You t- <laughs> tell me what you think about it. Oh, I'm not gonna take it. Oh, I gotta take it. Never mind. Uh, I fucking love this song. Uh, th- this song is is one of those ones that just crosses genres, crosses, you know, whatever. It, this became a phenomenon. Um, and it was the perfect mix. It was the look of the band. Like, let's be honest. They stole their look from the New York Dolls. Okay, we're guys who dress like women. Okay, they already stole that. But they came out with this anthemic rock song with the perfect video that was it was so good. It was so funny. And like even at the time it came out, I was 10 years old, but I well knew Animal House. And cool kids already knew Animal House. You know, so you have this whole mixture of that, you know, and and fighting the parents and all this. It was just, it was so fucking good. But uh, I got to disagree with me. When you talk about that fucking, uh, that acoustic slow down version of this, like, no, to me it loses it. Because that'd be like, like Brett Michaels doing a fucking acoustic slowdown version of unskinny bop like oh what li- the unskinny bop version is good no but what i'm saying is be like if he was like slowed it down he's like you leave me when you get your fill oh you know it's it's, it's like <laughs> you, know, you know some shit can't be there's, you know there's no way to put, put you, unskinny you, bop lyrics any different than what it is Oh, God, but but Unskinny Bop is the same thing as We're Not Gonna Take It. It's anthemic, you know, uh, it's anthemic cock rock. It's anthemic cock rock. Believe in would have been a better example. And oh, just, yeah, and but, that, but that's already sappy. That's already wham-wham. You know, I'll, but, I'll, 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 let you, I'll let you finish, Ian. I just right. want to say one little thing you said about oh, New York Dolls. Um, yes, of course, they grew up in that era, and yes, they were a big influence. But I right. think what they did was... Unlike the New York Dolls, they got all pretty and girly and shit. Where Twist Sister, if you really look at their makeup, it's purposely for them to look like ugly chicks. You know what I mean? I right, mean, look but, at Mark Lindo. The way their makeups are, it's like over, you know, oversaturated. It's it's exaggerated. Where New York Dolls were just trying to be pretty chicks. Right. No, but it, a, a gimmick is a gimmick is a gimmick. You know, they had the weird look. They had a catchy fucking song. They had the perfect video that, you know, caught everybody. Like, people who didn't like metal love this fucking song. And a lot of it had to do with the video and the catchiness of the song. It's a great song. It's not, you know, not my favorite on here, but I love it. And I get it. And it is what it's a perfect storm. It's like Kiss with Rock and Roll All Night. God damn, I never want to hear that fucking song again. Ever, ever, but I get what it is. It's anthemic, you know. You have all this shit, 
And that's what Twisted Sister did with this, man. It was it was the right song, the right time, the right video. And and the most important element of all this is uh you know, Atlantic Records hated Twisted Sister. They hated them. Oh yeah. And then they saw how much you can't stop rock and roll sold without them even helping that. They brought D. Snyder into the Atlantic office and the guy said to him, I'm going to make you the biggest band in the world. So what Atlantic did was really stand behind Twisted Sister with the video, with the exposure. They even filmed a live concert in L.A. before the album even came out. Right. Uh, they did, and Which was played to nauseum on MTV that year. Oh, yes. Oh, so, I, so I love that concert. Atlantic Records, I think, had the most to do with the success of this album. Because without right. that push... Well, it would have been you can't stop rock and roll again. You know, you know a, a great thing to bring up is they were signed by a guy from the European division yeah. of Atlantic Records, not the American, because they'd already got turned down. And the guy who saw them play in Europe said, "Oh, I got to sign this band," and he was chastised by the head of the label. You know, the U.S. division of Atlantic, like, no, these guys are some New York bums. They're a club band. They dress like fucking hooahs. You well, know? Actually, actually, before that even happened, Jason Flom uh, would always go to the office and tell him, because before they ever went to Europe, saying, dude, I saw the future of music. Twisted Sister. And the guy said to him, if you ever bring that name up again, you're fired. Right, yeah. But and like- then that guy that has so much pull in Europe said, I like it. And he was like, oh, fuck. You know what I mean? Jason yeah. Flom was a little... Well, well that's, a, that's the thing. The guy from Europe signed him, uh, you, you know, before the, the, the American yeah. side of it even had a chance to say, oh, you know, like they were stuck then. Like, okay, let's do something with it. And it, it is what it is, dude. It's fucking perfect. What, what do you think of this song, Aaron? I like this song. And it's... Like, when I first heard it, I, I was a little kid. You know, I was getting into the getting into that mode. I was rebelling against my parents about eight or nine years old, and I heard this song, and and I heard the guitar solo, and I was like, wow, that's actually kind of cool. And now that I've you know listening to all this other stuff, and I'm like, yeah, I can understand. It's definitely you know it's kind of the sign of the times here. See what I did there? I was out uh, in the ass. <laughs> there you go. So. So, I like this song, and to piggyback off of what Ralph said, um, this is D. Snyder's like biggest hit song, and it's you know it's one of those anthems that doesn't that it stands the test of time. Like you can still hear it on the radio. When you mention it to people on the street, they're like, "Oh man, I remember hearing that back in you know 1984 or sometime after." Um, now I've heard the piano version and I'm kind of like on the fence about it, but you know, I've kind of leaned more towards, you know, I kind of like it cause you know, D Snyder's vocals, they're clean. They're, it, he's angry cause of cancer. It's a terrible fucking disease. And I mean, I don't know what else to say about it besides it's one of it's, it's one of those anthem songs that you will hear probably till the end of time. Like if if we were to get a time capsule together of songs that you know 
uh, can't that can stand the test of time, I'd put this one in there for sure. And it's also going to stand the test of time because uh, I don't know if you guys are aware of this. Twisted Sister is the most licensed band in hard rock metal than any band in the history of of metal as far as commercials go. That has been that has been proven too. So you're always gonna hear uh, we're not gonna take it in future commercials, which I'm all for, man. You know, oh they're sold out. Well, yeah, fuck you. Like you won't sell out either. <laughs> Everybody out there, oh right. they're sellouts. But yeah, you're gonna fucking you're you're gonna turn down a bunch Shit. of money. Yeah, Shit, of, put a million dollars in front of my face. I'll do whatever. Exactly. With it, at Yeah. Bastard. All right, Aaron, why don't you take the next one? Burning Hell. Oh, man. So this is the song that kind of sparked me just getting up and leaving Walmart. Because I just, this is one of my favorite songs off of this album. Um, and it's for just the heaviness of it. Like, at the time, like I, like I said, I was getting really pissed off at my job. And this song would always come on when I'm getting really pissed off. And I'm like, man, let's, let's take a step back. Just listen to what he's just listen to the song. And then I just get into this mode. that's just like, you know what? It's time to leave. When I heard the uh, hear no evil, speak no evil, uh, lay no evil down on me i was just i was in love with this song at that point i was like wow i really like that so i don't know what else to say about it i just love it it's a kick-ass song and it's one of my favorites on this album hell yeah um it is my favorite off the album uh instant classic when i first heard it i remember that i remember when the first time i heard this song it was like, oh man, this song rules. And when that when the album was done, I was like, their best song on here was Burning Out. And to this day, I still feel the same way. And I have to tell this story. I don't know if I've ever told this story before, but it's such an epic story that has to do with this song. I must repeat it if I, especially since we're re- reviewing the album. <coughs> I, saw, I saw this tour twice. I saw them headline with YT and Dokken at Sunrise Musical Theater, and I saw them open for Iron Maiden Power Slave. Well, the headline gig at Sunrise, very easy to sneak up front row. That's how I snuck up front row to see Randy Rhodes. So I'm all the way up front. I'm a little to the left of Dean. Like maybe like, you know, I mean like maybe five feet from him. I'm not center stage. I'm like five feet from him. And he's doing the intro. Welcome to the uh, band. And, and mind you, I was fucked up that night. I was really drunk. <laughs> and then he goes, down, down, down. <laughs> and then I yell out. I go, you're going to burn in hell. And he stopped and he looked at me. He goes, that's my line, asshole. And then he points right, <laughs> then he points right at me. And he goes, you're going to burn in hell, dude. That was wow. a highlight of my life right there. You know? Like, he kneels down and points like, dude, literally his finger is like two inches from my face. You're going to burn it. I was like, oh, my God. He just insulted me. You know, this is back in the day. I never met anybody yet. You know, it was like, right. wow. You know, I got his attention. So, God damn, do I love this song. And, yes, my favorite part is that hear no evil part. The way mm-hmm. that, that shit's going on in the background. And uh, especially the real best part is when the solo stops and it's just the bass and the drums. Mm. You know, we, that part, you know, and how it builds up and builds up 
And uh, it was just such a great song. It's still such a fucking great song. And, and it was so killer when they popped up doing this song when I went to the theater to see Pee Wee's Big Adventure, not even knowing they were in the movie. I was like, holy shit, it's Squish's sister doing We're Gonna Burn in Hell. How cool is this, you know? That was like, oh my God. I, I can't stress enough how much I love Burning Hell. What a great, great, awesome, top-tier Twist Sister song. Fuck yeah. What do you think, Ian? Oh, man, I fucking love this shit, man. And this is a shit that separates, like, the We're Not Gonna Take It's and the I Wanna Rocks for the people who really get this fucking album. Because if you do not get this song, then you do not get Twisted Sister and you do not get Heavy Metal. Fucking amazing. Uh, so dark, so heavy. You know, the build-up, everything. And, and and yeah, no, it was one of those... I was the same way when I was in the theater watching uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure and this came out. I was like, oh my God, it's Twisted Sister. This is so awesome. Uh, love this shit. Not my favorite track, but in the top fucking three, I'll tell you that. I bet you, how much you want to make a bet, my second favorite is your favorite. Okay, yes. My favorite is on side two. Yeah, I know I know okay. which one it is. And okay. I don't even know, you never even mentioned it, but I okay. have a feeling. Watch. And, and when we get to that song, let me go first so I could say it's my second favorite to prove. Okay. All right. Okay. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. right. Uh, Captain Howdy, Ian. Oh, my God, do I love before, this fucking Before song. you say anything, I have a question for you. Yes, because sir. Because this is, this is what I was thinking about. Listen to Captain Howdy. Yes. You know, all you kids at 10 years old, you're all like, oh, you know, we're not going to take this fun. Did this creep the fuck out of you at 10 years old, this song? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I had a oh. feeling because when oh, I was yeah. listening to it, I thought, man, the little kids that were into we're not going to take it when they heard Captain Howdy, it must have creeped them the fuck out. Oh, oh, oh it, it, it did, but, it, you know, in an intriguing way, uh, you know, because I was already a fan of horror movies and stuff like that. And I was exposed to a lot more at this age than most 10-year-olds were. Uh, but it was just the way he sang it and the way, you know, and listening to the lyrics, you know. This is one of those bands, like, you, you can hear everything that D's singing. You know, he enunciates this very well. Uh but it, it told the story, and I was like, oh, man, you know, but, you know, and it was creepy, and you knew it was about kids and shit. And, uh, I loved it. I've always loved it. I love it so much, I love Strangeland, <laughs> which most people hate, and I love Hello. it. Hello. Yeah. Did you uh, see it in the theater? No. It, it, Dude, no. I, I came so close to walking out. The, the scene where the lightning hit the, the tree and he fell. I was like, oh, man, I feel like leaving. Yeah, yeah. What a no. rush. <laughs> what a rush, yeah, exactly. No, I mean, I know it's so bad it's good. Oh, yeah. Kind of thing. I own it. I have the I have the DVD with the comic book that came in the DVD. I, I, I have this special edition Betamax uh, of what? this album. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, you, know, you, know, the, you know what's cool about the DVD is the commentary. Uh, D does the commentary, and he's hilarious on it. And, and see, that's a fucked up thing is I believe that my DVD of this was stolen. I, I mean, I have a copy on my computer, but my DVD was stolen from an ex-girlfriend. 
Uh, which, I mean, how many of us have lost shit to an ex-girlfriend? Sometimes they don't even take shit that's theirs. They just take shit they know you like. Ugh, that's and, Woody, and Woody Harrelson's brother in the movie? Talk about uh, the worst actor ever. Oh, my God. Oh, as the, <laughs> oh, as the cop, oh, he's terrible. I don't but, think I don't think I've, he's ever worked again after that shit. Oh, and nor should he. Uh, but, uh, no, it's one of those so bad it's good. But... You know, it's it's like this thing was already instilled in me before the movie ever came out. I mean, this was just a classic song and a classic, like, you know, little mini opera, little mini story. I love fucking Captain Howdy and Street Justice. And I love, you know, like the little sound bites, you know, they like the like the the vigilante crowd yelling and all this stuff and the judge returning from a three drink lunch. I mean, all of that is just the buildup of it was great. And it was like, it wasn't too overthought, you know, like a layman, you know, like me, like a 10 year old could understand it, you know, but you could still get like what they were talking about, you know, and oh, it's so fucking good. And then I found out that in 2009, they did a tour where they played this in their, in the album in its entirety. And this was one of two songs that they never played live. One of my favorite tracks, again, not my favorite track, but god damn do I love this song. What do you think, Aaron? Um, so when I first heard this, again, so when I was working at Walmart, I worked, you know, kind of second shift, like 2 o'clock in the afternoon to 11 at night. It was about 10:45 when I when I put this album on and I heard this song and where I worked there was places for truckers to you know park and sleep and do whatever they got to do. So I heard this song during that time at night and I was walking past a tr- trucker and you know I got this like creepy feeling and I was like man I really hope that there's nobody behind me cuz I've got we had um, uh, box cutters, and I had mine on me, and I never had it locked. So I got this like creepy feeling, and I was like, "Wait a minute, what song is playing right now?" Because I thought it was God of Thunder from the kind of from the beginning. And I look over, and I looked at it, and I was like, "Oh, all right, well, shit, that song kind of creeped me out a little bit." And then uh, it goes, "Stay away." From Captain Howdy. And I was like, damn, okay. Alright, I like this song. And then when it goes to Street Justice, when I like when I picked this album, I only heard Captain Howdy. I didn't move to Street Justice and then I moved to the next song. So I heard Street Justice for the first time. Like this song in its entirety for the first time probably a couple nights ago. And I, I like it just just as much as Captain Howdy. And um, it just it just sounds like one of those songs in the 80s um, that you would probably hear on, I don't know, kind of like, like one of those action movies. I don't know if you guys feel the same way about that, but it, that's how it that's how Chuck, it gave like Chuck that. Norris stars in a canon production of Captain Howdy. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the feeling that it gave me. 
and this is this is and like Ian said, one of my favorite tracks. It's not my favorite, but it's one of them. Oh yeah, this this is my third favorite. Uh, my second favorite is Ian's favorite. Uh, <laughs> you, you think? You think? I, I don't know, dude. I have a feeling it is. Um, and you know me and you differ a lot, but I think we are right there on this, that one. Because there's a song yeah. coming up on this album that's so good. Oh, it's so good. It's, it's so, so good. good. It's so if it good. wasn't for Burning Out, it would definitely be my favorite. But Captain okay. Howdy, dark as fuck, about some demented fuck that kidnaps kids. No, it's not about the imaginary friend that Reagan had in The, in the Exorcist. Um, and uh, total Alice Cooper worship delivery by D. The way he sings it. It's total Alice Cooper. Oh, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's um, very fucking, you know, and the lyrics are so fucking perfect. It really does conjure up this image of a sick fuck tormenting little kids. You know, and the best lyric by far is, uh, you think you're going home to your own little bed, but that's impossible. You I can't sleep, sleep with, with your when dad. you're dead. Oh, my Stay God. Away. And like I said before, I can imagine these little kids like Ian back then. Just To me, these lyrics are way more effective than some parents and teacher telling you not to fucking trust strangers. Want to save your time to tell kids not to stay, you know, stay away from strangers? Play them this, you know? And yeah, man, it was, yeah, and I got to admit, it was very disappointing they didn't play this. I did see him play this for the first time uh, when he, uh, toured for Strangelands. I don't know if you're aware of this. He did a tour for the uh, movie. And he even had the red hair and everything. And he played Captain Howdy that night. I was like, oh my god. That was a great show too, man. That was probably the best time I saw D. Snyder solo was on the Strangelands tour. And uh, oh my god. I absolutely love this song. Now Street Justice, great song. Not gonna say nothing bad about the song itself. And I know it's going to sound weird me saying this because lyrically it's a perfect follow-up to Captain Howdy. It's you know, uh, you know, you know. Oh, the courts didn't fucking get this fucker. Let's do it ourselves. Street justice. I'm all for that. I love that. You know, but I don't know, dude. As far as like, for some reason, musically, I don't think it really complements the horror terrier vibe. Like, it doesn't, it sounds like such a separate song to me that it doesn't really, I don't I don't think it's a good uh, mixture to put them both. That's why I was saying on that, I said this to Ian before we started the show, that terrible re-recording of Still Hungry, so terrible. They ended uh, Captain Howdy, and then the next track was Street Justice, where this one, it blends together, but... Um, of course, you know, the, it's just not a good sequel to me. It's sta- it should stand on its own. And, you know, and uh, I do love this song. And, um, you know, and again, right message. Fuck the court, you know, kill this child killer. You know, never played live back then. And I have never seen them play this live. I've never seen Deeds sing this live. Because when they did Captain Howdy, they didn't do Street Justice that night. But absolutely love it. So now we're going to flip the album over and I'm going to throw it to Aaron for I Want to Rock. And boy, do I have a great story for this one. Now, this was a song that I heard on a Grand Theft Auto Vice City. And it was just one of it was one of those songs as a little kid. Let's see. I was born in 1995. So I was about 
six or seven when I heard this song, and I fell in love with it. Like, I I I remember singing it. Like in elementary school, and like a teacher would just look at me, and I'm just sitting here like, I want to rock, and then they're just like looking at me like, what the hell? Okay, so, um, but I will have to say one thing. I am kind of tired of hearing the song because I hear this all the time on on the radio out he, uh, the radio station out here. They play it. But I do, I do like the solo on "I Want to Rock." That, that's something that when I'm listening to it, I'm like, okay, here it comes, here comes the solo, and bam, there it is. All right, fuck yeah. So, I mean, that's all I can say about "I Want to Rock." Tied for my favorite song on the album. I fucking love this song. I am unlike you. I never get tired of this. The one I, I do get tired of is "We're Not Gonna Take It." As much as I love it, I get tired of that. But I want to rock. Oh, my God. I love everything about this. I love the rapid-fire vocals. You know, like, turn it down, you say. But all I got to say is when you tell me turn it down, I say no, no. You know, whatever the fuck he says. I just Mm -hmm. love the delivery. I love the way he does it. It's fucking amazing. The video is a great crossover video. From uh, we're not gonna take it, you know. You got the Niedermeyer character again, and he's the teacher this time. Everything about this is fucking perfect. I love it. It still stands up. Never tired of it. Perfect fucking track. Tied for number one. Actually, I should say there's one song I do like more than this. Okay. All right, good, cause uh, this is not the this is not my second favorite, but it's such a great anthem. I'll. And here's the story I got to say about the song. I, I know I I initially, I must have the timeline wrong because I could have sworn this happened when I went to go see Iron Maiden on the Peace of Mind tour, but this album wasn't out yet. Right. So it had to be, I'm thinking maybe it was uh, that Billy Squire show with Grat on Out of the Cellar. That was 84. It might have been that show. But I'll never forget, dude, when this song was huge, you know, the new single, it, you know, in a way, this this song kind of overshadowed. We're not going to take it for a little while. Yeah. You know, when MTV was showing this a lot, it was kind of like this one overtook. You know, um, it's a better song. It. It's a yeah, better it is song. a better song too. Yeah, I admit. And but I'll never forget going to the Sportatorium, and where you know where the you know there's the T-shirt merchandise booth, and then there's the hallway. You know, like every arena, there's a hallway where it has different sections to go into each. You know. Uh, section to go get your seats in that hallway dude i'm not lying dude it was thousands and thousands of people hanging out in that hallway everybody was screaming i want to rock rock but they weren't singing the song they just sang the chorus over i'm telling you for fucking it seemed like an eternity i want to rock rock i want to rock it just kept going on and on it reminds me of today when you go to a show and people scream Slayer. And you know Slayer's not playing the show. Slayer! That's that's my little story about I Want to Rock. Or and sometimes they'll scream, uh, like, if, if for example, like some, uh, like a band's like, Hey, what do you guys want to play tonight? And someone, some drunk asshole is going to be like, Freebird! You know, uh, every single time that's happened at a Thrasher Die show, every single time. 
I will jump off the stage, go up to that person, and have them sing Freebird with me. Every fucking time. And, you know, it's like, dude, uh, you're going to yell Freebird, then the motherfucker, I'm going to put you in the spotlight, and you're going to sing it with me. <laughs> and that I got from D. Snyder. You know, it's that D. Snyder right. type. That's the influence that D. Snyder has on me. You don't fucking play to a crowd. You play to every individual there. One motherfucker says something, focus on him. Right. You know, that's what I got when D. Snyder put his finger in my face, saying, you're going to burn in hell. You know, it's like, but anyway, back to the song. Um, this song, um, like what Ian was saying before, how he sings it, the delivery, it's almost rap, if you really analyze it. Because he's doing that, like, you know, Almost like, you know, how Eminem really sings fast. You know? Right. Yeah. It's got that rap vibe to it. And it's such a fun song. You know, I love this song more for nostalgic reasons than I do as an actual song. But I love the song. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, it is surrounded by better songs, if you ask me. Other than we're not going to take it. Uh, but I love it. I'll take the next one. Uh, the Price. Oh, my God. What an amazing, prolific song this is because this is exactly what happened to Dee Snyder uh, to Twist His Sister you know there's this song how long I've wanted for this dream to come true only for it to all be taken away in an instant you know that's what this song's about you know and and they weren't experiences at the end they were on the rise and it's weird how he wrote these lyrics while they were on the rise because this is exactly what happened to Twist Sister they became huge and then they just you know a lot, a lot of the problem with Twisted Sister to not only come out and play because if you were around back then, come out and play. Well, even Ian was saying, you know, when they turned eleven, oh nah, it's not cool to like Twisted Sister. I think even the kids noticed it was just oversaturated. They were overplayed. They yeah. were everywhere. It just became like you know, you know, it was just you know, just overplayed. And so by the time come out and play came on, people didn't like it already. They were like, ah, whatever, Twisted Sister. I didn't. I was. I didn't have that attitude, you know. But you know, I saw the the leader of the pack video, I, and I I still have it when I recorded it on VHS. Uh, he re- debuted it before the album came out, and I remember. I already had rough cuts. I already heard the original versions. I knew, uh, like I said earlier, it was a big hit in the club days. But even when I heard the rough cut version, I was like, eh, I don't care for this. I really don't care for this. Then I saw the video and it was like even worse than the rough, you know. And I was like, oh man, the first thing I thought watching that video, I was like, I think they really destroyed it for themselves this time because they were already on that, you know, overexposure kick where, and then they, they're going to hit you with this. You know, it was like, oh, this ain't good. But I still had hopes. I still had high hopes for the album saying, okay, well, you know, they obviously they did this to get a hit, but I'm sure the album, the rest of the album kicks ass. But no, it didn't. Though it does have some kick-ass songs. But oh my God, I love, I love, love this song. It's the ballad of the song, you know. Uh, but the horrible thing about uh, this song was while, you know, because when this was released, they didn't uh, suffer overexposure yet. And the price, the MTV started playing the price. And I remember everybody loved this song. Everybody loved the price. Everybody's like, you know, they were loving you know this new single and it sold i know it sold way more copies again you know but when i saw them open for maiden on the power slave tour uh first off d snyder got in a fight with some guy in the front row and that that was like a good song wasted there because it was like five minutes wasted on that 
And then JJ French took the mic saying, hey, you know, we ain't going to play the price tonight. And the whole place booed. Mm. A whole fucking place booed. No, but we'll be back, which, you know, that was the last time Twist Sister ever performed in South Florida. That was, wow. they, they, and, and believe me, man, Twist Sister, to me, is one of the greatest live bands in the world. They were totally destroyed by Maiden that night, and I wasn't expecting that at all. Maiden came out on all, on all cylinders. That was, hands down, the best time I ever saw Maiden. Way better performance than uh, Live After Death, which uh, uh, the great homo Greg Barnes set, found a bootleg of the Hollywood Sportatorium show, and you can hear, you know, these, uh, Bruce sounds way better on the show I saw. But um, I love the price. It's a beautiful fucking orchestrated song, and it's so eerie how it's so prolific, you know. It's like, you know, he's writing about his future without even knowing it, you know. So uh, what do you think, Aaron, of the price? Okay, so this is, like, my third favorite song, and I always find myself singing it because like to me like this is the anthem for like kind of like my life right now because I've, I've been busting my ass and paying bills and doing all this other stuff so so the first first part i believe is oh how long i have wanted for this dream to come true uh, um and that was kind of like my motivation to go into work is like, hey, you're going to get hired in and then ball's going to start just rolling down a big hill. Nonetheless, this is this is my third favorite song. My second favorite is like later in the album. Um, but yeah, I really like the price. So I'm one of, and I'm one of those people that likes ballads like uh, forever on Hot in the Shade. I listened to that song. while I was, <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. Ian, before you bust my balls for liking that forever just has a special place in my heart because it reminds me of a time that you know life was simple my parents weren't getting divorced and all this other stuff and i listen i had that song on repeat and listened to it for four hours straight of course now i can't stand it because i've listened to it so much well, well aaron i hate to break it to you but you're gonna have to put this on heavy rotation of future when you divorce your now wife <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Damn. All right. Well, I I fucking hate ballads. I'm not not a fucking fan. Not a fucking fan. Yeah, but there's no way you hate this ballad. Watch. Oh hell no! I love this fucking shit. This song fucking kicks ass, man. I love this goddamn song. Holy shit! The price. And even though this was released as a single, I never heard this shit on the radio. I do not recall seeing this video on MTV during the day. Uh, yeah, that, not, not to the extent of the other two, but they used to play this one, yeah. And a ballad from the heart. And I think that's... But this is the good ballad, not the bad ballad. I fucking love this song. But then I'll go into the next song, which I think is a perfect fucking album track. Don't let me down. God damn, do I love this song. Uh, you know, not not necessarily a standout, not a single, but this is the glue that makes a classic album a classic album. It's a, it's a perfect song. Uh, and it sums up the Twisted Sister spirit. Uh, I, th I think it's great. What do you think, Ralph? Yeah, you, you said it perfectly. It is a good deep track. 
never played live back then and I always had a great love for this song because back when I was a little jack off kid you know and then when I would like hook up with some girl and have that stupid love feeling for her um, I'd, I'd always fear her leave me you know and it's like babe don't let me down thank god I'm over that shit wanna leave me cool skedaddle too many other you know fucking uh Adults live in that st- same fear today, and I, I, I sympathize with you, you fucking jagoffs. Uh, I got over it, but you know it still conjures up like listening to, which I did today. Listening to the song brought me back to, oh man, you know I remember, you know, uh, how this song like affected me back then. With, please don't leave me, baby, and it's, it's a great rocking song, and I love that little two-second drum little fill that he does right before the solo with the the solo is awesome because it has that simplistic oh don't let me down is awesome i love this fucking song though i do i you know when they didn't play it live back then i was like i understand you can't play the whole fucking album and if you're gonna let anything go i guess it'll be this one even though i prefer this over the both both singles i want to rock and we're not going to take it. It's a great song. And yes, as Ian said, this really does uh, emphasize Twisted Sister. This song is total, total 100% Twisted Sister. Simple to the point and D, you know, just fucking, you know, because dude, I mean, I, I, I'll be honest with you. If I was D. Snyder, I'd still be a jag off today. Because have you seen his wife still? Grrr. Holy <laughs> fuck is she hot. Suzanne? Wow, what a piece of ass. And she's still gorgeous to this day. And look oh, at yeah. Him. What a lucky motherfucker. And, you know, you can call him a pedo all you want because, you know, he was trying to hook up with her at 15. But, you know, he ain't no Ted Nugent. He's still with her. So I guess right. you can't call him a pedo. It's definitely, I'll, I'll agree with both of you guys, it's definitely the glue that is that holds the album together and it just... It's it's a kick-ass song. I really, really like it. All right, I'll take the next one. Ian's favorite song, uh, "The Beast Destroyer Part 2. Uh, when you go see Twisted Sister Live, if they play Destroyer, they're not gonna play The Beast. If they play uh, The Beast, they're not gonna play Destroyer. I fucking love this song. Second favorite track on the album. Just love the vibe, the delivery by D. The lyrics on the bridge. If you then you're bound to lose. Don't turn the screw. Just listen to the priest. It's a danger of the beast. Oh my god. And tell me, tell me the VIP ain't AJ Perro on this fucking song. Holy fuck, those those perfect fills. The pounding of the drums and the fucking but the whole band with the dun 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 Oh my god, this song is so so good and so perfect it's 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 like yeah it's a simple song but if you really really look under the layers of this real simple song that could be wrote by 10 years old it's a goddamn masterpiece it's a genius song i love the beast now tell us how this is your favorite track off the album ian yeah yeah well this shows you how much you know motherfucker Cause this is my favorite song out of the fucking album. <laughs> bam, bam, bam! All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Okay, okay, okay. Oh my God, do I love this! It's the nature of the beast. Down, 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 down. It's the nature of the beast. Oh, 
It does not get more fucking metal than this. And I, and I, I know you hear the say, thunder long before the, the storm. storm. Pray, oh. pray, pray. And that echo thing. Pray, pray. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm a wreck. Oh, this is so good. This is so good. And I'm surprised you do I like this because you know me. I hate the metal. But no, I, no, no, no. I, I, I love this one. I was like, there's no way. <laughs> metal hating motherfucker can deny the beast. Oh, oh my God! This is so good. The Beast is my second favorite song, and sometimes I'll move it to my favorite depending on how I'm feeling. Um, and I'll agree with you guys. I I love um, the lyrics, um, especially um, this killer knows his business. He is the predator, and it's just how um, D says predator. And it's, like, the first time I heard it, I was like, wow, that's kind of cool. Um, I mean, there, there's not really a whole, whole lot I can say that you guys haven't already said about the Beast. It's just one of the many killer tracks off of this album. So I guess... I do, I, I do want to say something uh, negative about Tom, Tom Warman, uh, the incredible producer that produced such epic... Like Heaven Tonight and Color and Dream Police. Oh my God. Um, he he said that when he records albums, he always leaves the the worst track on the album to be the second to the last track. So in his opinion, the beast is the worst song on this. Wow. I would definitely disagree with that. Oh fuck yeah, I would too. I did not anyway, know that. so uh, take SMF uh, there, Aaron. All right. So SMF that stands for. Uh, stupid motherfucker, right? Oh, uh, sick, sick motherfucker. Sick, sick motherfucker. Sick All right, whatever. Friends and twisted sister. When I first heard it, you know, you're an SMF, and I was like, oh man, is he calling me? A, is he calling me a stupid motherfucker? I really hope not. And then, you know, uh, I now know that I've been thinking it wrong. So I just, I really like this song, and it's a great way to end a great album with you know with their kind of like anthem for the band uh sick motherfuckers of twisted sister now here i'll tell kind of like a personal story and like i had to my dad wasn't really in my life like well actually i can't really say he wasn't really in my life he wasn't in my life um oh i'm sorry oh no dude it's perfectly fine i i've realized now that he's just a piece of shit what hey watch how you talk to me son (laughs) <laughs> I, I didn't know your dad was Andrew Jacobs. Sorry. Wow. Uh, but yeah, it's one of my. It's a really good track to end this album. And that's all, all I gotta right. say. About. All right, Ian. Oh uh, no! I, this is my second favorite song on them. I fucking love this song. What a tribute to their fans. Uh, you know, and they did have an incredible fan base in New York. You know, for years and years before they made it, they had an incredible fan base, a local fan base. And, you know, a lot of other bands that were going to be popular said, oh, man, I spent so many years seeing Twisted Sister in the clubs. A lot, they were big in Jersey and Rhode Island. Oh, yeah. I mean, awesome. awesome. Probably bigger in those areas, actually. 
Because they would play like huge venues in those areas where in New York they were more of a club band. Except they did play the Palladium once. Right. But uh, oh, great tribute to the fans, man. I love this song. My second favorite song on the album. I love SMF. What do you think, Ralph? Oh, move over, man. I'm about to go into a fucking rant about this one. Uh-oh. SMF. Oh, fuck yes. SMF. It's like I am, I'm me with more hair on its balls. And the album with the same message that starts the fucking album. I am an SMF. I am an SMF for life. That's why I can't really bash JJ. I am the black sheep of the family to this day. But now the difference is they don't look down on me like they did back then. Many of those family members that told me to cut my hair in the 80s see me now with long hair still with a job with a future and at every fucking family gathering I always show them how much how fucking much I have achieved in my life with my podcast yes radio show yes bands whores Believe me, I'm living the life they wish they could live, but they conform. They're not SMFs. Well, they are SMFs. They're stupid motherfuckers. That's fucking Aaron Bob. But um, I take great pride now. You know, I used to hate family gathering. I hated it because I had to deal with, you should get your hair. You'd be so much prettier with short hair. Well, now, I love going to fucking family gatherings. Because, boy, there's not not more pride than I have when I walk around my family members with my cell phone showing them pictures of me standing in front of 8,000 crazy, moshing Colombians worshipping Thrasher Die with my hair flowing in the fucking outdoor fucking big-ass field showing them, look at what I have achieved. This sick motherfucker you always looked down on that you thought you were better than me? Oh, I'm sorry. You're not. Now you know. Because, yeah. Have fun living this conforming life, waking up early every morning, grinding to the grind, hating life as I thrash different countries and have chicks on my phone that I can call at a drop of a hat for some vagina warming my cock again. They all wish they were sick motherfuckers like me that never had to deal with divorce or being stuck in a situation where they just can't get up and go on without their business, without answering to anybody. Yes, they all thought I was sick and they were right because sick is what I'll be till I die. Fuck kids, fuck marriage. Oh no, without that, I will die alone. Oh, boo-hoo. Listen up, shitbreads. You may have people around you when you die, but when you actually fucking die, they walk away and you rot like I will. And in the end, the same the same thing might even happen to me, you blowhards. I might be laying in my deathbed with my niece and nephew looking over me right before I bite the tombstone train. So I'll just have what you got without getting shit on my hands as I change diapers or a daughter that leaves a little jizz from her boyfriend on my face that she kisses me goodnight. Oh yeah. Or a son that raids my liquor cabinet as I'm out there busting his ass for his ungrateful ass. 
Fuck that all. I am an SMF for life. I like this song a lot because of that. I, I'm probably going to be changing your diapers because I don't want to edit. <laughs> what do you mean you don't want to edit? You don't edit shit. I know, and I don't want to start, so I'll probably, I, I'm probably i going to take you in when you're sick. I, I do the editing. You do the heavy lifting. That's how it works. Oh, okay. Yeah, just for the just just for those that don't think that this isn't like fucking teamwork, <laughs> Andrew oh, Jacobs. Oh, oh. oh, and by the way, no offense, you guys. I know you guys got kids, and and Ian, you were divorced. Nah, it's all Aaron, good. Aaron will soon be divorced. I, I, you know, I'm sorry about that. Guys. Nah, it's all right. <laughs> I got a, I got a little offense. SMF is so important to me, though. I mean, it was really biblical. You know, this is the this is my Bible. Whatever the fuck you want to say about Twisted Sister, I fucking, I, I flush that thought down the toilet because this right here, I don't give a fuck if he wrote the songs or nobody contributed or whatever the fuck. This helped me get my little condo here on South Beach. This helped me get my ass licked by various tongues. This helped me live my life, have a band. And, and dude, if you listen to Thrash Your Eye lyrics, I really do have this fucking attitude. Where fuck you, I am, I am what you consider a loser, but what I do is I achieve way more than you, but fuck the achieving part. The real important part is being happy. They are not happy, believe me, my family members that goofed on me, not all, there's a lot of good family members I got that never goofed on me. It's hard for me, it's, it's not right for me to generalize. I'm just talking about that select people. And, you know, I got one family member who, by the way, is a cousin that I would have loved the fuck because she's hot. That really goofed on me that to this day, today, she likes me now because she saw what I do, you know, and she's liking all my comments. She's on my Facebook. She's loving everything. Yeah, she doesn't just like a comment. She puts a little heart. <laughs> Back then, she thought I was a goddamn dirtbag piece of shit. But she saw what I achieved on my own rules. And my own rules was actually dictated by D. fucking Snyder and Rick fucking Emmett. You know, these fucking positive lyrics like, fuck you. I'm going to fucking do what I want. You may think I'm a piece of shit. That's fine. But this piece of shit is going to fucking achieve what you wish you could achieve. But no, you conformed. You conform. You got married. Now you're stuck in a situation where you're just fucking the same vagina for decades, and you know you want to be like me. Thank you. <laughs> Damn. All right. I, I was not expecting that kind of rant, but I think that's what we all got today. Sick uh, motherfucker for life. All righty. Well, this album was released the day before my 11th birthday. Or my 10th birthday. May 10th, 1984. It has gone triple fucking platinum. Nah, this, this fucking album kicks ass. And, uh, fuck it. Now let's go into, uh, pick of the week. Aaron, you are a special guest. What is your pick of the week? Okay, so I'm pretty sure you guys have noticed. I've started doing, like, what is, like, my album of the week. What I listen to throughout the week. And I'm just gonna go with what i had this week and my pick of the week is aerosmith 
Get Your Wings. It's one of my favorite Aerosmith albums of all time. Um, it was actually one of the first Aerosmith albums I had listened to in its entirety, and I now have it on vinyl and on CD and digital. So, I mean, I guess I could say I, I guess you could say I, I really fucking like it. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, that's no brainer because that just happens to be the best album they ever did. So, just yeah, it. I definitely agree with you on that. Ralph? I'm still looking. Okay. All right. Well, my pick of the week is uh, uh, Overkill. And I am so waiting for the new release, the new live album. Uh, like, double. I guess it depends on how you fucking buy it. I've ordered both albums that are double albums on neon green vinyl, I've ordered the Blu ray. Overkill is releasing live at Oberhausen. They did uh, Horoscope and Fill the Fire in their entirety, and it's on it's on you know music and it's on uh, video. So you can get the the Blu-ray, you can get the CD or the DV or the uh, vinyl copy. Uh, I haven't heard it yet, but all the sound bites that I have heard, oh my god, I've heard Hammerhead, Thanks for Nothing, uh, I think that's all they've released so far, but man, what a great fucking, uh, both of them are historic albums, and, uh, the video quality is great, I'm very looking forward to that, that is my pick of the week, Overkill, live at Oberhausen. What's your pick of the week? My pick of the week is Cities Absolute. Uh, oh fuck! Uh, Annihilation Absolute, featuring the great AJ Perel. This is what he did when he left with sister. I'll never forget hearing uh, Shades of Black on the metal shop, and I ran out and bought this album only to find out it's AJ Perel. I was like, oh shit, AJ! AJ's on this. Oh my god! Stop the ri- uh, Stop the race! Fight for your life! Burn forever! Cruel sea! You know, Innocent Victim. This album kicks so much ass. I absolutely love Annihilation Absolute. But, yeah, it's a great album. I love it. That's my pick of the week. Awesome. Well, now we're going to Fan of the Week. And our Fan of the Week is here, Aaron Baker. We want to thank you so much, brother, for not only listening, but your donation. And, uh... And thank you so much. We cannot wait to meet you. Uh, what what kind of drugs are you looking forward to doing with us? <laughs> oh shit! Uh, shit! I'm gonna sound like such a square, but I'm gonna have to say none. My girlfriend would fucking kill me. And plus, they kind of they kind of drug tested work on occasion, so I don't oh, get to do that awesome. to me too. You always have to ask for multiple choice, and then you just hit no. <laughs> That's what I do. Right. So, uh, but yeah, we, we will get you hooked on street drugs when you come see us in <laughs> August. But, uh, you know, thank you so much. You, you you add a lot to the page, and you tell Andrew Jacobs to go fuck himself, so that's, that's <laughs> great. I, I love that shit, man. That's yeah. awesome. We thank right on. Yeah, thank you, Aaron. 
All right, Ralph, well, what do you say we get the plugs? Okay. Ear Pillar, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear, go to earpillar.com to find out what we're all about. Listen to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's, Gully, G-U-L-L-Y-A-N-D-J-O-A dot U-K, 8 p.m. UK time, 3 p.m. Eastern. The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. Hey, rock music fans. This is Terrence Reardon of the Terrence Reardon and Friends Audiovisual Podcast. Join yours truly as I look every week at a different classic rock or metal album that had a major impact on my life. And I'm usually joined by a friend or two or ten. And we talk about nothing but great classic rock and metal. And there's no country or Sammy Hagar or rap on the fucking show. That shit is frowned upon with yours truly. So if you want a great classic rock audiovisual podcast, tune on in to the Terrence Reardon and Friends audiovisual podcast. New episodes every Monday exclusively on YouTube. Are you ready for the hottest new podcast out there? Check out the Vieira Vault, featuring none other than Dr. Fuck Ralph Vieira. You will hear personal stories and personal songs from the vault. There ain't nothing else like it. The one, the only, the original Vieira Vault. On Podbean, Stitcher.com, and iTunes. Spreaker. God damn it. Tired of your long commute and boring workday? Well, join Brian Davis and his gang of movie buffs as they talk about a different movie subject every week on Damn Good Movie Memories. We discuss movie themes like our favorite movie villains, favorite soundtracks, and worst movie remakes, and much more. Check us out on iTunes and Podbean at damngoodmoviememories.podbean.com. From New York. Hey, 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 hey! What up, bangers? From North Carolina! Skitter Pal Meow Meow. This is Bushy. And the Mountain. Tune in every week for your listening pleasure only on the plug with Bushy and the Mountain Man. You can find us on Podbean and iTunes. Thank you very much. Hey everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... Then you'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll and it's always free. This is Ian Wadley, Wadzilla from Wadzilla's World. Do you want to hear the greatest, most eclectic show on the internet? Show up for the best in hard rock, heavy metal, classic rock, funk, soul, and anything else I deem necessary. Wadzilla World, only on Cranium Radio, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time to 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. Be here or be a bitch. Hey there, it's Dr. Fuck giving you the Dr. Fuck Show ID. That's right. The Dr. Fuck Show. Aaron here every Thursday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. 
Come in and join the chat room. It's always a great, crazy time. That's right, I've been doing this for years on that metal station, and you will love it. Nobody hates the Dr. Fuck Show. And what I mean by that is if you hate the Dr. Fuck Show, you're a nobody. All right. Well, if you enjoyed that episode, hopefully you're as drunk as me or you love Twisted Sister. Either way, come back next week when it is more fan-picked episodes. I cannot wait. What it is, I don't know. But who gives a fuck? We're going to tell some dick jokes and make you laugh. That's next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. I've got one more thing. Okay. So do we have KISS exclusive news for those KISS nerds? Because I know they're dying to know. Next week for sure. All right. Cool. Yeah, next week. By the way, here, I'll I'll just let the KISS nerds have this. Paul Stanley is a douche. Yeah, you're already revealing too much. We're go- we're gonna tell the rest <laughs> next week. In uh, related news, water is wet. Hey, ah, we'll see you next week. Bye. <laughs>